Welcome back, everyone, to the Six Figure Social Worker Podcast. It's your girl, LA. I am your Six Figure Social Worker. If this is your first time listening, welcome, welcome, welcome. This podcast is designed to teach you how to make a living while you're making a difference. Hey, listen, I am so excited about this episode. I had the opportunity to interview Lauren Williams, who will be sharing on today's episode on student loans, the COVID, and social work. So make sure you have a pen and paper handy so you can really jot down some information. Again, thank you for listening and stay tuned. just want to thank you for coming on and sharing with my listeners on the topic of um, student loans, especially during this um, pandemic, this COVID-19. And so I know that they will be excited to hear the information that you will be sharing with us today. But first, I would like for you to just introduce yourself um, so we can start that off Um up front so individuals will know how to um, contact you and um, you know reach out to you with further questions. All right well good evening or hello everyone Uh, my name is Lauren Williams and I am a certified financial planner um, who is a consultant for a company called Student Loan Planner. So what we do is 60 minute consultations where we help you get a customized uh, financial plan specific to your student loan. So we'll help you kind of, you know, nail down the basics as it pertains to your finances, but we'll really focus in on what do you need to be doing in order to optimize your student loan strategy. And you can find us at studentloanplanner.com. Awesome. Awesome. Now, um, Lauren, what is so unique about um, when we're talking about student loan and social workers? Well, I think some of the things that are unique as it pertains to social work and student loans is, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk around the, the salaries that social workers make and that, you know, like teachers, they are um, very, very much needed, but also not well compensated for the how valuable their work is. And I love that you are taking social workers to that six figure mark um, and showing them that they don't have to be stuck at, at, at a lower salary. But one of the things that is available um, because of sometimes that lower salary is what we call public service loan forgiveness. So with social workers, sometimes you um, just borrow for undergraduate degrees. And when you borrow for undergraduate only, uh, you finish school with about $30,000 of student loan debt, assuming that you took out all the federal debt that was available to you. And so with that $30,000, generally, if you make more than you owe, um, you're going to be in a situation where you're not going to be able to maximize your ability to get any forgiveness. However, with social work, it's a little bit different because their salary doesn't always like, you know, double or triple that that amount. And there's also you wanting to save for retirement, put some extra dollars away. And so public service loan forgiveness is something that's a really good option for uh, many, many social workers. Most jobs that social workers, um, you know, that are available for social workers are things that do qualify for public service loan forgiveness. 
Awesome. Awesome. And I want to thank you too for um, just coming on and sharing this information because I know that there's a lot of social workers that are um, or feel stuck. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things or one of the purposes of this particular podcast is helping them, you know, not only make a difference. Right. But make a living as well and being able to get this information on how to pay back their student loans and what options are available is definitely um, awesome and exciting. And so what is the first thing that um, our listeners should know? So I want to go back. I'll say the first thing we want to talk about is that public service loan forgiveness, because I think it's one of those things that gets a really bad rap. Um, so there's a lot of clickbaity articles out there to say, oh, only 1% of people have gotten public service loan forgiveness. It's not a real program. The government's trying to scam us and on and on and on. And it has a lot of people not signing up for something that could really change your financial future. So it's not a fake program. It's not a scam. The government is not going to pull the rug from up, up underneath you. Um, there is a very high likelihood that if there are changes to the, the system, which we'll talk about a little bit later, um, that they will grandfather you into this process. So if you are eligible for public service, please do sign up for it, but please also do know the criteria. So let's run through that really quick. Mm -hmm. Criteria number one, you have direct loans. And when I say direct loans, if you just log into whatever your loan servicer is and you see the word direct in front of those loans, you're good to go. Um, some people who borrowed before 2010 could have either direct loans or what we call FFEL loans. So you're gonna wanna be mindful if you borrow before 2010, um, do I have direct loans? You might, um, there were direct loans before 2010, but there were also another kind of loans. So that's one thing that people bump into is that they might have those old loans and they need to do what we call a consolidation, which is not the same as refinancing. So that's one other thing, I'll pause right here for a second. Consolidation is taking, you know, maybe seven or eight loans that you borrowed over the course of time and squishing them down into one or two loans. Um, they're still federal loans. They've just been consolidated into a smaller amount of loans. So you might need to do that if you don't have direct loans. However, refinancing is taking your loans out of the federal system, putting them with a private lender. So if you have student loans, you probably get junk mail from SoFi, Earnest, Common Bond, you name it. There's tons and tons of private companies out there. Those are not scams either. Those are companies that are trying to take you private so that they can save you money on interest. That's not appropriate for everyone. So you have to be mindful before you do a refinance, get that lower interest rate, you might be giving up on what we're talking about right now, which is the public service loan forgiveness. So you need to have federal loans and federal direct loans as criteria number one. Number two, you need to work at a qualifying employer. So those are government agencies, nonprofit organizations, um, other public institutions, uh, a lot of hospitals and things like that qualify, but they're nonprofit organizations. Um, so that's thing number two. And you can, you know, if you do or not by filling out what we call, what we call an employer certification form. So you can just Google that, find it. Um, you know, you can add it to the show notes, but it's a really simple form to know whether or not your employer qualifies. So in turn, will you qualify for public service loan forgiveness? Number three is that you need to be on an income driven repayment plan. So that means every 12 months, you're going to give your loan servicer your income information and they're going to recalculate your payment and your payment's going to be based on your income. 
The great thing about an income-driven repayment plan is that you're not gonna be paying more than you should be able to afford because if you have low income, you have a low payment and payments go as low as zero. So you can actually be on a payment plan in good standing, not ruining your credit because a lot of people think if you're paying nothing, you're getting yourself in trouble. If you're on an income-driven repayment plan, your payment could be as low as zero. And then last but not least is that you'd have to make 120 qualifying payments for public service loan forgiveness. 120 payments is the equivalent of 10 years, but you don't need to do 10 years back to back over that period of um, time. You could work somewhere for three years, then go to another place that doesn't qualify for a couple years. Um, and then, you know, kind of change your mind, switch back over, um, and then start and pick up, pick up where you left off. So it doesn't need to be 10 years consecutively. It just needs to be the equivalent of 120 payments. So that's my summary on public service loan forgiveness. And if I'm a social worker, I'm looking into that because there's a probably 85% chance that you're going to qualify for it and that it can save you a lot of money on your student loans. Absolutely. Thank you. That was really, really clear. Just that step, the three-step process, you know, the direct loan, looking at that, the FFEL loans, um, seeing if you work for a nonprofit, you know, if, or a qualifying employer. So that's, that's really good. Okay. And next. The next thing I would say is to know if you need to refinance. So if you're not in a public service situation, you know, you've got other options and refinancing is one of them and income driven repayment plans is the next. So refinancing, we just talked a little bit about that is taking loans that have a really high interest rate, getting a much better lower interest rate, but you're doing that with a private company. Um, and so, like I said, it's always important to be mindful of their federal loans. Once you go private, you can't go back to federal um, and you're kind of locked into whatever you agree to with that private company. So you've given up any options for forgiveness or um, any other payment programs. It's just going to be pay the same amount every month until you're done with the loans. So who's good? Who's a good candidate for refinancing? People who um, make more than they owe. So, you know, like you said, you become that six figure student uh, social worker. Um, and you only borrowed $30,000, you know, you're in a really great situation. Maybe you work at a private company doing social work that you love. Um, you're probably in a situation where you need to refinance your loans and get really aggressive about paying them back. Now, before you do that refinance, I want to make sure that your budget is okay. So really important thing for everybody is to understand what's coming in and what's going out. Um, when you have a good idea of what your budget is and you'll know, okay, I can pay 200 bucks a month on these loans. Um, the minimum is easy and I actually have an extra $300 a month that I can throw toward them. You're in a really good place to be, you know, getting these loans off your plate and taken care of. But you want to know that first, you want to first know that your budget is in good shape before you go ahead and refinance. And then the third thing I would say to consider is the income driven repayment plans. So income driven repayment, I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's one of the criteria for public service loan forgiveness, but also you can be on an income driven repayment plan just by itself and you have a longer period until you get forgiveness. So with public service, you got that 10 year period. Um, if you're just doing regular income driven, it's 20 or 25 years. So depending on uh, when you borrowed, et cetera. Um, and then there's four different payment plans. So um, ICR, which is one I don't recommend for anybody other than those who have parent plus loans. 
So if you don't have Parent Plus loans, you don't know what a Parent Plus loan is, you should not be on the ICR plan. So log into your portal. If you see ICR, you're gonna wanna switch. Um, <laughs> then you have IBR. And so that's the other thing about this whole situation is that, you know, the government doesn't make it really easy for us to sort through this. Yeah. There's a lot of different options. Um, and you're just like, well, which one is appropriate for me? Well, IBR is gonna be based on 15% of your discretionary income. Um, which you can also get on this IBR plan if you have those FFEL loans I was talking about. So maybe you didn't consolidate them ever um, and the only plan that they've ever given you as an option is IBR, it's probably because you didn't consolidate them. So before you pull the trigger and do a consolidation, you know, you you're gonna have to weigh, how long have I been on IBR? You know, because when I do a consolidation, what happens is I start my clock all over again. So let's say that, Lashana, you've been on a payment program. You've been on IBR for five years. And then you hear this podcast today. And you're like, oh, my goodness, this is awesome. I'm going to be, I'm eligible for public service. I'm going to consolidate. Well, you consolidate, and now you're back at year number zero. Wow. Um, so it's necessary if you want to be eligible for public service because you didn't have direct loans. But it's also wiping away your five years of credit towards your 25 years on the IBR plan. So you see where it gets just a little bit murky, you know, right. and why everybody needs a real individual plan. Right. Um, you can't go to brunch with your girls and, you know, Lashana, you tell me how great your IBR plan is because that might not be the best thing for me. I might need to refinance. Right. Um, you know, it's not interchangeable. You may have found a thing that works well for you or that is most appropriate for you, but it's not one size fits all as it pertains to student loans. So okay. to look at the different income driven plans, there's two more pay as you earn and revise pay as you earn. And those are the two better of the income driven plans. So you should probably be on one of those two if you're eligible for them. Um, but if you're not, then you can use the IBR plan. And like I said, pretty much never should you be using the ICR plan. Okay. Okay. Now I have a question for you. Yeah, certainly. How many hours? Is there a certain amount of hours you must work for um, the employer? Like can someone who's working part-time qualify for the um, public service loan forgiveness? Oh, that is an excellent question. So yes, you can work part-time, but the definition of part-time is a little bit different than what we think of. So when we think part-time, we usually say like 20 hours a week, you know, um, or, or less than that. Um, with public service loan forgiveness, you have to be working at least 30 hours a week in order to qualify part-time. And another thing that's important too, is that you need to be um, a W-2 employee. So if you work at Boys and Girls Club and you're a 1099 contractor, you know, you've got your own business and they hire you to do a speaking engagement or something like that, um, that's outside income. You're not an employee of that place. You can't qualify for public service loan forgiveness. Um, you're gonna need to work there at least 30 hours a week and you're going to need to be a W-2 employee paid by, you know, company XYZ, so. Okay, okay, awesome, awesome. Let's see. Is this something that someone should, a student should be, or a social worker should be looking into if they're, like just say if they're going into their master's program or should they wait? This is something they wait to after they're finished with their education? I mean, as a financial planner, I think the more that you can plan, the better off you're gonna be. 
I know the hard thing sometimes is that you don't really know for sure, you know, what's going to happen after I finish a master's program. So it's like the goal is to go to the master's program so that I can, you know, get a higher position, earn more income, but you don't know exactly where you're going to land. Are you going to end up in a completely different state? Um, you know, another city on the other side of the state that you're in, um, you know, what is the base salary for this thing? You can do some Google searches and I, like I said, I highly recommend doing so to find out what the average salary is based on you getting that additional degree um, and what opportunities may be available to you with the understanding that, you know, two years down the road that it may have changed a little bit by the time you, you know, you complete that degree. So I would, I'd be mindful of the idea that, um, you know, you can't make a foolproof plan at the point at which you're, you know, if you're thinking about going to school, but you can definitely educate yourself about the things that exist so that you can go be better prepared when you take on debt before going into graduate school. And right. so one thing I would recommend if you're, you know, thinking about taking on a graduate or master's degree of some sort is making sure you take out federal loans because the federal loans are going to give you more flexibility. So even if you end up in that refinance situation that we talked about earlier. Um, you'd rather take your loans from federal to refinancing because you know that's the right thing to do versus ch picking private loans from the very beginning and only having the option to pay those private loans, having no option for forgiveness. So as an example, you borrow $150,000 for your master's degree. Um, you get out and unfortunately there's been some sort of economic change and you know the going rate for even with this master's degree is going to be $70,000 instead of 140000 which you thought it was going to be and you're like man well I was making sixty before I got this degree now I got $150,000 of debt and only $10,000 more of income you're like this is this stinks well if you got the private loans um, you're just going to have a set monthly payment and you're going to have to figure it out no matter what and it may be an unaffordable payment at that point, you know, because now you owe 150 and you make 70, you owe twice as much as you earn. That's a tough situation to be in to cover that monthly payment. You can try to refinance your loans, but generally they're not going to refinance you because you owe so much more than you earn. You're going to be very risky to any company and they're going to say, eh, no thanks, keep your loans how they are. So you may be stuck with a high interest rate um, and a high monthly payment and that could cause you to end up in defaults, you know, get behind on payments, mess up your credit because you can't make the payments in full every month. You would much rather instead um, take out those graduate loans with the federal system and if that same scenario kind of plays out where you get the 70,000 um, with the 150K of income, now you can choose one of those income driven repayment plans, yeah. um, whether or not you have public service. And if you get public service, that only improves your situation because instead of paying for 20 or 25 years, you only now have to pay for 10 years. So that's kind of how you want to think this through as you're thinking about taking on graduate um, loans for graduate degrees. Awesome. Awesome. And so as I was listening to you um, discuss this, I was thinking about when I was so like anxious to graduate, right, with my um, bachelor's degree. And I remember um, one of the professors was like, once you graduate, you're going to wish you was back in school because mm -hmm. of the loans coming, you know. <laughs> so this is some very good, important, necessary information so i really really thank you so let me ask you this the studentloanplanner.com they will be able to get information on the pay as you earn the revised pay as you earn and all of that or should they be looking that up to see if that's an option 
Yes. So the thing I really love about my work is how much effort we put into educating the general public. Um, while we would love for every single person to book with us, get a customized plan. And I, I truly believe in my heart, that's the best thing you can do. Even if it's just to erase, um, you know, you feel like you're on the right track, but you're not hundred percent sure. I think peace of mind is worth paying for to make sure you're like, oh, I'm not a financial professional, but I think I have a pretty good grip on this. Wouldn't you rather have somebody who does this all day, every day, um, look over your situation but even if you don't want to we provide tons and tons of free great information so we've got an article that's 40 tips for public service loan forgiveness where you can be much better educated after just reading that we've got articles like you said on every single repayment option that there is we've got strategies for you to be able to use about you know should we do Mary filing jointly or Mary filing separately um, you know when do I switch from one plan to the other maybe you need to be on an income driven plan for a few years and then you need to switch and do the refinancing you know we have all kinds of articles that lay those various things out and we have a bunch of calculators so you can put your information in um, to the calculator say this is what i'm going to do this is what i plan on making and it'll spit out a number for you to say this is about how much forgiveness you should get or you're not going to get any forgiveness so you should probably refinance right. we've got tools upon tools upon tools um, to help people make the best decisions with their loans because we know ultimately um, that we want the world to do better and the only way for people to do better is to have information so that they can know better absolutely absolutely wow this is amazing this is amazing i'm sitting up here like wait hold on how can i <laughs> already writing down so we can uh, connect so um thank you again um is there anything else that's that you have not covered that you would like to um just share with our listeners well, yeah, so 2020 has been a really, you know, interesting year, I'll say. I feel like I've heard the word unprecedented enough and I'm tired of hearing it. <laughs> but um, with with 2020 and COVID uh, becoming an official thing, there were a lot of different um things put in place. And so if you have federal loans, this is a really good time to be looking at what is your strategy because you have a little bit of breathing room right now. Mm -hmm. So as of March 13th, they cut off your student loan payments. Um, you did not have to make any more payments from March 13th. And right now, you know, we're waiting any day now for them to make new um, legislation or give us new information on what they're going to do going forward. But right now it says January 31st, you guys are going to have to go back to paying your loans. So what does that mean? That means you've had, um, you know, March to December, what is that? Nine months of no payments. So hopefully you took that time to maybe pay off some other debt, um, to build your emergency fund. We know some people, you know, got hit pretty hard by COVID and didn't have income. So that provided you with, you know, just to be able to live your daily life because your income was less. Um, but you've had nine months and that payment's gonna kick back in on you. So you wanna to double check your budget, um, make sure you're ready because you know what that payment was in February, it's gonna be coming back this February coming up. Um, so make sure that you got your budget ready, you start putting that money aside, you know, mentally preparing because they're gonna, car they're gonna come knocking on your door soon. Um, the other thing is that if you were a part of public service loan forgiveness, you did not need to make any payments. So if you were, you, nobody had to, let me just be clear. Nobody had to make any payments, but not in addition to not making any payments, if you were qualified for public service loan forgiveness, you still got credit for it. So right. even though your payment was zero, 
you are still getting public service loan forgiveness credit. So that means nine, you're nine months closer to public service loan forgiveness and you didn't have to pay a dollar to get there. Um, now what some people did was they panicked. They were just like, I don't trust the government. I don't want to be on this $0 payment. I don't understand how it works. And they took themselves out of it or they continued to pay on their loans. Um, you may be in a situation where you should not have been paying and you were paying and that's yet another reason to book a consultation because you're going to want to be clear on that and the reason this is important is because if you did pay since march and you weren't supposed to be paying you can call them and ask for all that money back wow very very unique thing that is uh, specific to COVID. so i don't know about you but i've never you know called my credit card company <laughs> nine months later and said hey you know what i was making payments and i really wanted to pay down my debt but i changed my mind can y'all give me that money back right <laughs> it doesn't work like that right, right? <laughs> but because of COVID, this is a very and like i said and generally with student loans this is not a thing you can do you can't go back three years and get all your payments you can just do it from any payment you made from march 13th until present so what why is that relevant because like i said if you're public service you should not have been making payments if you're on an income driven plan and you're going for that 25 year forgiveness you should not have been making payments only if you actually plan to pay your loans in full and you can afford to pay your loans in full should you have been making payments from this time period um, if that's not the case then you should not be doing it and if that is the case if you've been making payments this whole time and you know that you're going to end up paying your loans in full when this is over, you probably should be looking at refinancing because you got to take advantage of nine months of 0% interest, mm -hmm. but you're going right back to that crappy federal student loan interest and you can get a much better interest rate with a private company. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So Lauren, once again, would you please let them know how they can reach out to you? Yes, we are at studentloanplanner.com. There are six consultants. No, we're, we're <laughs> take that back. We are four consultants. There we go. Uh, we lost two earlier this year. Uh, they got some pretty cool opportunities available to them. We are four consultants, um, myself, Megan, Travis, and Rob. Um, and we are happy to help you. We do, like I said, a 60 minute consultation. So it's as simple as clicking a link, scheduling a time that works well for you filling out a form and then sending us over what we call your txt file which you get from studentaid.gov um, and then we hop on a 60 minute zoom call no need to look beautiful you know it's just a screen share <laughs> there's no video involved uh, and 60 minutes later you can feel really really confident about what your student loan plan is um, how you should be organizing your finances accordingly and you know be a lot closer to being that six-figure social worker because your student loan payment is under control because you can get this off your plate and that's more money in your pocket to you know achieve your financial goals absolutely lauren thank you again thank you thank you thank you thank you for sharing this information valuable information i believe that our listeners will be reaching out um again lauren williams um, with the student loan planner and um thank you for assisting in this podcast and sharing this information thank you so much for